Amen. Well, uh, <clears throat> most of you, uh, there's Paula right now. We just prayed for you. For for what we know not, but we prayed for you. So uh, we are. Uh, so the question I had uh, earlier this week was about eternal security, and that is something that is uh, the topic of lesson two of our discipleship lessons. And uh, I don't know. Uh, Seem like every few years uh, this question comes about, and it was good for me to uh, look through my notes and, and do a little study in advance tonight. So um, I'll at least take part of the time on that. If we want to talk about something else, we can talk about something else. How does that sound? Okay, because uh, we're all at different stages, and uh, uh, I, I was encouraged. Uh, we're going to have baptisms this Sunday, and uh, a dear sister. Uh, uh, Sarah Elizabeth from Topeka, she wants to get baptized, and uh, she's been saved for a year now, and she's asked a time or two, I guess me and Pam, we've been forgetting, so she's going to come over from Topeka, uh, probably with her mother, and uh, we'll baptize her this Sunday, uh, and so if there's anybody else, uh, let us know, I'm not sure if there's any others, in fact, uh, Pam, we need to probably add that, uh, make sure uh, Brianna, Bri- Brianna knows and so that somebody will fill the baptism and get the workers and everything. Can you can you talk to Brianna about that? Um, <clears throat> so let me read you this little paragraph. I think this is in all of our lesson two of discipleship, but it says that you will be your father's son for eternity because you were born of his seed. You could leave the country, disown each other, change your name, and never see him again, hear from him again, again or even think about him the rest of your life but it will never change the fact that he is your father the same is true of your heavenly father you can die but you can never be unborn your birth is fixed forever both physically and spiritually and even god himself will not change that fact and so this is the topic i wanted to uh, talk about tonight and uh, i wanted to look at uh, I know in in Exodus chapter 4, uh, Israel is called God's son. And I wanted to look at, at that just a little bit. And turn with me to Psalms. Let, uh, I won't look at all these verses, but we'll look at a few of them. <clears throat> but go to Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 89. Because... Uh, there, there's more than once in our Bibles, you know, like King David would, would pray, God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And we know with like Samson, uh, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, you know, left him for a season. And so there's individuals that the Holy Spirit kind of came and went in the Old Testament. But uh, as a whole, the nation of Israel, I believe, had this eternal security And so if you look at Psalm 89 and beginning at verse 30, think about this as it talks about God's children and God's son. In in Psalm 89, verse 30, it says, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, 
nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Once have I sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in the heaven, in heaven, Selah. And so here, here uh, God's saying, you know, if, if my children forsake my law and they don't walk in my judgments and they break my statutes, you know, I'm going to visit their transgression and, with the rod and, in, and he's going to chastise his people. But nevertheless, he's not going to utterly forsake them and cast them away because he's made this covenant with David and he won't break that. And so uh, as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a different denomination before I was saved. And and uh, we, we kind of had, uh, you know, we, we weren't Calvinists, but we had kind of five. I'm trying to think if I'm going to get all these right. But we, we had to hear, hear the truth. We had to believe the truth. We had to repent. Uh, we had to confess, and I think we had to be baptized. So those were like the five pillars that our church went through to to become a Christian. You know, hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And uh, and uh, we we have family still uh, in, in that denomination, and and they add to that a, a sixth step of you know don't fall away from the Lord that you you shouldn't you shouldn't sin and, and fall away from the Lord. And so that, so most denominations believe you can lose your salvation. I know uh, Pentecostal Assemblies of God, they, they believe you can lose your salvation. Uh, and, and probably most, uh, just trying to think, you know, maybe uh, more Calvinistic uh, would, would believe you, you can't, you know, if, if you're part of God's elect, you can't lose that. And, and so, uh, but anyway, tonight I just thought we'd look at kind of what the Bible says. Um, and I want to point out uh, at the end, so after we go through this a little bit, uh, maybe we can look at a few verses that would look like you can lose your salvation and, and why and, uh, you know, the reason for that. And so look, maybe, maybe we'll look at that as we get time. But the verse that uh, really helped my wife on this, look clear over at First John Clear back at the end of your Bible, 1 John 3.20. And, and I hope you find this comforting. I know we we did. Uh, Mark and Lisa's here tonight, and Mark and Lisa discipled us. And uh, I don't know if you remember, Lisa, but you know this, this was a new concept for me and us uh, as a, a new, fairly new Christians, this concept of eternal security. And what's another way that you've heard that said? Instead of eternal security, what have you heard? How do you how have you heard that? Huh? Eternal life is is how our, but uh, some people say once saved, always saved. And uh, the thing that I think Mark and Lisa taught us is because uh, you know the Bible doesn't say. We, we even say that, uh, you know, that person is unsaved. We might say that, but, you know, that, that, that little phrase, unsaved, that's not even in the Bible. Uh, you, you don't find the word uh, unredeemed or unborn or unsaved. You because it, 
if you say that someone is unsaved, it almost implies that they were saved and now they're unsaved. So, so the way I think Mark and Lisa taught us was just that once you're born again, you can't be unborn. And that just kind of clicked with me. And so, you know, I'm pretty newly saved a, a year or so and, and they're teaching us these things and, and I want to believe it, but I, you know, I got 30 years of my church in me too that's saying, well, you know, what about this? And you can lose your salvation. And what if you do this? Are you still saved? And what if you murder somebody? And oh my goodness, you know, what if, what if, what if? And so hope, hopefully we settle this uh, tonight. But First John 3 in verse 20, and uh, Joelle's going to read for us. She likes to be put on the spot. And Would you? Would you read First John 3.20? Just that one verse. Can you turn that on for her? Just, just start talking. Hello? Oh, okay. Uh, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. All right, thank you. So uh, pass that to Teresa. She'll read for us next. She likes to be pointed out too. Uh, hey, by the way, Teresa, I haven't looked at all the numbers. I think our uh, recovery, our uh, homecoming, I think we're right at 11,000. Our goal was 12,000. I think we're at 11,000. And so uh, Luke sent me some totals today, and I, there may be some pledges that aren't included in that. So, you know, give or take, uh, we didn't, I don't think we quite made it to 12,000. We, we were really, uh, it was a crazy year. You guys were in the Dominican, and me and Jim Stovall had operations, and uh, Pat started a new job, so everybody's a little helter-skelter, but uh, anyway, the Lord provided what we need, and, and that'll just be enough. But uh, this verse that uh, Joel read, uh, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things, and my, my wife uh, read that kind of devotionally, if our heart condemn us, in other words, if we feel lost, maybe we don't always feel saved. If our heart is kind of condemning us, you know, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. He knows if we're saved, even if we don't feel saved. And and that's the way uh, it was comforting for Angie. I don't know if you want to say any more about that. or. But uh, when we were studying this topic, that was one that really helped her that, you know, you know, when you're angry or maybe you're uh, in the flesh or you may not feel like maybe the devil's, you know, condemning you. Like if you're a Christian, you wouldn't be acting like that or thinking like that. Uh, well, God knows if you're his child or not. And so uh, you can't just go on your feelings, can you? So uh, <clears throat> be turning uh, to uh, John now. And John... Uh, chapter 20, I think it's verse 31, it, it tells that John was written so that people would believe. Uh, John chapter 20 and, and 31, yeah, if, can you read 2031, Teresa? But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. 
Yeah, and so, uh, so the verse before that even said that uh, Jesus did many other things that are not written in the book, but, but verse 31 says, but, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so John is written for people uh, to believe. And so I want to point out just a couple things in the book of John, uh, chapter 6, in uh, John 6. <clears throat> and in this verse, uh, if you'll pass that up to Bob, we'll let uh, Bob read John six thirty-seven. And most of this is in our discipleship lessons. But uh, maybe if you haven't been through our discipleship, this will hopefully be encouraging to you. So 637, uh, Bob. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Right. So so we're going to read some of Christ's words that uh, he promises that, that all those that come to him, he will in no wise cast out. And so that that's encouraging, isn't it? You know, the Lord's not going to kick us to the curb. And uh, this is a promise that uh, those that come to him, he will not cast away, cast out. <clears throat> and then look at John 10. Just a couple pages over, John 10. And uh, who wants to read? Jesse, you got that? Uh, would you read John 10? Verse 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Yeah. <clears throat> Now, uh, it says in verse 28 uh, that he that he gives the sheep that his sheep, he gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. And then he says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So it's like nobody can cause you to fall away if you're in his hand. And uh, and even when we were going through this with Mark and Lisa, Mark, Mark made the comment that really we are the body of Christ. We're part of his hand, so it's not like you can jump out of his hand either because you're part of his hand. And so nobody can pluck you out. He's not going to cast you away. And uh, I don't know if any of you, when, when you were kids, one of the things I liked to do as a young uh, boy was, uh, you know, if you go to a restaurant, they'd have, you know, coloring things, of course. But a lot of times they would have, you know, connect the dot. And, you know, you just get a paper with a lot of dots on it, but they'd be numbered. And if you trace the numbers, you know, you, you draw out this horse or this, you know, car or whatever. And I look at this eternal security. It's like it's hard to find maybe one place that you could find. You can't lose your salvation. But if you connect all these dots, you've got this picture of eternal security that he's not going to cast you out. He'll never forsake you. You're part of his hand. Nobody can pluck you out of his hand. And you connect all these dots and you've got this. And it was very settling for us. I think it was for Angie. And I'll show you in a minute kind of the verse that 
kind of clicked with me. Um, and some of you know, uh, I don't know if any of you remember uh, a guy I did jail ministry with, but look at Mark, se- or I'm sorry, uh, Matthew 7. And at first, whenever he told me this, I thought, you know, that doesn't make sense. But look at Matthew 7. We'll look at a couple of verses here from Matthew. And uh, Pam, do you have this one? You have the. You have seven this, what? I'm sorry, seven twenty-three. <laughs> seven twenty-three. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Yeah, uh, so my friend Rick King, uh, when we went into the jail up here, and uh, I hope all of you have friends like this, but uh, Rick told me for like two years he would sleep with his Bible under his pillow. I mean, I, I've, I've got to be along some pretty uh, crazy believers, I guess, and uh, and that was just encouraging me. I mean, that sometimes that, that kind of convicts me. Uh, people that do like street ministry and, you know, people that are just radical in their faith kind of challenge me. And so Rick, uh, you know, he sleep with his Bible for two years. And, and, but he, he come up with this verse where there's people, the verse before Pam read, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And so what my friend Rick got out of that is like, I didn't, I, I never knew you. It's not like I once knew you and now I reject you. It's like I, I never knew you. You were not mine. And so he, he looked at that verse as eternal security. Uh, and now look at the last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28. And this is part of the Great uh, Commission. We would say, <clears throat> Larry, are you tracking with us, brother? Are you hanging on? Okay, Larry. Uh, it it tickled me. Uh, yeah, and uh, Larry called me tonight. And says Steve, are they having church tonight? I'm like, yeah. Can I go? And so, man, you want to you want to get you want to pick up people that want to come to church, don't you? We used to say that in our jail ministry. There's always a ride to church. But uh, so, yeah. Uh, do you have the microphone, Larry? So Matthew 28, and would you read? Let me turn the page on my verse 20. 20. 28, 20, the last okay. verse. Uh. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so this is uh, Christ. He says uh, in verse eighteen that he has all power. And he tells his disciples to go, therefore, and teach all nations. And then in verse 20 that Larry read, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
And then this is why we call it the great commission, because he gives them a mission, but then he says, I am with you always. And, uh, you know, we, we want to add an S on there, like, I'm going to be with you always. But what, he, what he's saying is, uh, all way, like, I'm going to be with you all the way, all the way to the end, even unto the end of the world. And so there, there I look at that even as, you know, uh, eternal security is, uh, that he's with us always. So, um, most of us know John 3.16, you know, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So that uh, people that believe in Christ are not going to perish. He even says uh, that he that believeth on the Son hath the everlasting life. So even, uh, so I do think our, I do think our discipleship lessons are called eternal uh, are eternal, eternal life now, aren't they? And so they're not called uh, eternal security, but you know, even the name—if we could lose our salvation, it, it would—it wouldn't be eternal, would it? It'd be, I give you temporary life. I give you, you know, short-term life. You know, something like that. But he gives us everlasting life. He gives us eternal life. And uh, there's a great promise in uh, Hebrews 13, if we want to look at that. I got just a few more before we get to some of these. Uh, there's a, well, I'm at least halfway through my verses. So let's look at Hebrews 13. And uh, you might, does anybody else have the mic? Rex has got it. You got 13.5? Yep. What does that say? <clears throat> Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now that's a, that's a quote even from Joshua 1.5 where God tells Israel he's never going to leave them or forsake them. And, and so he tells here in the New Testament as well that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So he's not going to cast us out. Nobody can pluck us out of his hand. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. Um, let's, uh, I'm going to skip a couple of these. But let, let's look at Ephesians 2. And I, I want to build on this one a little bit. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. So Galatians, Ephesians. So right in the middle of our New Testament. In verse 8 and 9, uh, and these are memory verses. So, yeah, Jason, you guys got this over? Yep. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of our, of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. All right. And so... Uh, <clears throat> It's by grace that we're saved through faith. Now, <clears throat> trying to think here. You can kind of see it here. <clears throat> There's three ways. All of us need grace in our life, don't we? 
Um, my my wife and I we got we went out of town uh, Saturday and Sunday to uh, Osage Beach. We uh, got a motel for a couple nights, and uh, we had just checked in. And uh, one of the ladies that uh, I just rented the room from, you know, she came into our room and uh, she thought she was checking on something. She forgot she rented it to us and it was no big deal. But uh, the next day I seen her uh, down at the little continental breakfast and and uh, she just apologized, you know, profusely. And uh, I said, well, it's no big deal, you know. Uh, she said, well, you know, thank you for being gracious. Thank you for showing grace on. Anyway, uh, so that that word got used uh, on me uh, even this weekend. But I want to show you at least three ways that we can access uh, God's grace. And uh, one of them is, is faith, isn't it? And Romans five says that that we have access to grace by faith. I mean, that we have to believe. And uh, we used to tell the the inmates that you know if you if you'll reach up to God with your hand of faith, He'll reach down to you with His hand of grace and He'll save you. And it's just kind of a good illustration of you know, uh, you know, looking up to the Lord and uh, inviting Him into your life by faith. And uh, it says it here too. It says uh, not of works. And you, you can find this uh, in uh, Galatians 2 as well. It, it says that, uh, I did, Paul says, I don't frustrate the grace of God, uh, for if righteousness came by the law, the works of the law, then Christ died in vain. So Paul says that trying to work your way to heaven frustrates God's grace. And uh, he, uh, and so... Th- that verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, says that uh, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that last little statement there uh, is the last one I wanted to say. You, you can't boast. You have to uh, you have to be humble. And that's what First uh, Peter 5 says is that uh, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so this this verse has all of me, not of works, lest any man should boast. And the opposite of boasting is to to be humble, isn't it? And so anyway, I really like that. Uh, So anyway, we're we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God, so we don't earn it. Um, Not of works, lest any man should boast. Now... um, so we're kind of talking about you know, our part in this. So we do have to believe, and we we can't work and earn it. <clears throat> but look at Second Timothy now, because Paul says something here in Second Timothy. I, I want you to see. All right, uh, Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1. And uh, you guys still have the mic over there? Jamie? Uh, 
2 Timothy 1, verse 12, if you would. Okay, 2 Timothy 1, 12. Yeah. For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Good job. I was in First Timothy, so I missed it. So, uh, but anyway, he uh, Paul is, is persuaded, and uh, there's a real good definition of faith in uh, in Romans four, uh, where where uh, Abraham it says he believed God and he was fully persuaded that God was able to raise his son uh, Isaac from the dead. Uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but uh, I, I think that's just the good definition of faith is being fully persuaded. And he, here Paul says that he is uh, persuaded that God is able to keep that which he's committed. So you commit your life to Christ, you accept him into your life, and, and uh, the Lord is able to keep uh, <clears throat> that that salvation and so it's not really not ours to keep. Look right here in Second Timothy as well. Uh, Wendy, do you want to read Second uh, Timothy two thirteen? Ah, Amy, Second uh, Timothy two thirteen. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful; he cannot deny himself. Yeah, so that, now this is kind of a wild verse, isn't it? Uh, it even says, uh, you know, there was the guy that came to Christ and he says, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. You remember that verse? Wow, Mark nine twelve. okay. And so that that's kind of like this here. It's like, you know, there may be seasons in your life where, boy, it's just tough to believe you know, you know, God, if you're real, you know, this wouldn't be happening or, you know, we may have doubts, but it says even in those times, if we believe not, God's still faithful. He, he can't deny him. If you're his child and, uh, <clears throat> you know, you know, that's, uh, in, uh, Genesis five, it says that, uh, about Adam and Eve, it says God called their name Adam. Uh, talking about Adam and Eve, He called their name Adam, and there's a precedence there that uh, that the woman take the man's name, and and we we do that to this day in marriage. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Angie uh, Angie Fleischman, uh, her maiden name was Fowler, and when she married me, you know, she took my name. And so that that's partly why, you know, the third commandment, <clears throat> God says, thou shalt not take my name in vain. So so when we take God's name, when we when we get saved, we become a Christian. We, we take on his name, don't we? We become, uh, uh, you know, when we when we get saved, we become a Christian. We take his name and we don't want to take that name in vain. And uh, hopefully Angie didn't take my name in vain, uh, you know, meaning emptiness. And so here, when we took uh, Christ's name, we become a Christian. There might be a time where we, 
lack belief or we do something that unbelievers do. But it says that God don't deny himself because he's in us, right? He's, uh, we're going to see here in just a minute that he's sealed us unto the day of redemption. Um, look with me now at Romans 8 uh, before we go to that sealing. But let's look at Romans 8. And this is in our discipleship lessons, uh, so Acts, Romans, Romans 8. It's probably my favorite chapter in the New Testament. And uh, who's got the mic now? You still got it? All right, read one more for me, and then we'll get it to the grants over here. Um, So Romans 8. And verse 38 and 39. All right. Oh, no. She's good for two verses, Sharon. Would you like to read it, Sharon? I'll I'll read the, the, the other ones, but you read the 38 and 39. Go now? Yeah. I thought you were getting the context. Okay. I'll, I'll follow up when you're done. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. Well, the- and we use this obviously to say that you know nothing can separate us from the love of Christ is what we say here, and that's what it says in verse thirty five uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ and then it asks all these rhetorical questions shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so this is this great love of Christ. And then uh, Paul adds that he's persuaded, this thing of faith, he's persuaded. And he, he lists death and life and angels and principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height and depth. <clears throat> and uh, what, what I want you to see, you know, sometimes uh, the Bible uh, kind of communicates things without saying. Notice when it says things present or things to come, no, notice it doesn't say things that are past. Because you know what? Before we were saved, we were we were lost. We were separated, weren't we? I just thought that was something the Lord showed me one time. Just it doesn't say things that are past won't separate you because your past does separate you, you when you're before Christ. Uh, you're lost, and and I was lost. But uh, Paul says, now that I'm saved, now none, none of these things can separate me from his love. And so, again, this just adds this little, you know, he's not going to forsake us. He's not going to cast us out. He's not nobody can pluck us from his hands. He's given us this gift of eternal life. Uh, and now he's saying nothing can separate us from his love. And so now go to Ephesians 1. And uh, did you pass the mic? Okay, I didn't see. So 
Ephesians 1, I think this verse is probably the most concise place to maybe share the gospel. Uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians 1, and uh, read verse 13, if you would. One thirteen of Ephesians. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Yeah, and read one more too, if you would, Paula. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Yeah, so I just really like verse 13. It talks about, you know, trusting after you heard the word of truth. So you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you trust that. And then after that, you believe God seals you with the Holy Spirit of promise. And and that is something that really uh, the Old Testament uh, individuals were not sealed. So that's something kind of unique to the New Testament that uh, they were sealed with this holy and turn over one page to Ephesians 4 because Ephesians 4:30 uh, talks about this sealing as well uh somebody else got that one all right and grieve not the holy spirit of god whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption <clears throat> yeah and so uh so God's spirit, he gives you as an earnest. It's like this earnest deposit. And uh, if you've bought a house, I think when we bought our house, we had to just put down like $500. But it's an earnest money uh, that if you change your mind, uh, you, you lose that $500. Well, uh, God has given us the earnest of his spirit to seal our soul into the day of redemption. And uh, so when he comes again... He's going to redeem his own, and he's going to call us out of this uh, world. <clears throat> and so I, I really like this uh, this thing about uh, sealing. Uh, um, now we're, we're close to Romans. Let's go back to Romans for a minute. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll show you the verse that helped, it kind of, it kind of put the nail in the coffin to, to help me. Romans 11. <clears throat> and I don't think this is in our discipleship lessons, but uh, in, in my mind, I was, you know, the night I was saved, um, you know, the, the Romans road talks about, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so I really focus on this gift of God and, you know, I think it's Ephesians that talked about being an unspeakable gift. We, uh, it's this peace that passeth understanding. So, so when I was reading uh, Romans 11, and I got to verse 29. Hopefully, this is not out of context, but it was it was what helped me. Romans 11:29 says, "For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance." And I guess I felt like the Lord was saying, Steve, you know, I've given you this gift of eternal life. And I'm not going to repent of it. I'm not going to take it away. Uh, th- does that make sense to as I'm the way I'm 
in, in this topic of this eternal security, that's what I felt like the Lord was telling me. And, you know, it may be talking about spiritual gifts and uh, uh, other things, but I, I felt like God was saying, Steve, I've given you this gift of eternal life, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to repent and take it away. <clears throat> Uh, you are not going to repent of having believed. Mm-hmm. It's both. I think it's both things. It's God's not going to repent, and we're not going to repent of having believed and mm. received salvation. Right, right. That's good, Sharon. Um, so we, we could look at other. I mean, God has not appointed us to wrath, so uh, we're not going to have to go through uh, the wrath, God's wrath. Uh, he's given us the Holy Spirit that will abide with us forever, the Bible says. And, um, and I already mentioned that, you know, the Bible doesn't use words like unborn or unsaved or unsealed or unredeemed or unregenerated. Um, so, uh, so, so now what I thought we would do, uh, if you want to, uh, look, Look with me at uh, Hebrews 9, and I want to show you why, because I I did this with uh, baptism once, because, you know, some denominations believe you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven, and, uh, you know, there's only four or five places that you could get that from. And it's a little bit that way with uh, losing your salvation. There's kind of only four or five places that would make you think that. And uh, I think this place in Hebrews uh, 9.16, Sharon, if you want to read uh, Hebrews 9.16, I want to put this out there to help us understand. Okay. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Uh, One more. Verse 17. Oh, for a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Yeah, and it's, it may sound weird uh, to bring that verse up right now, but uh, the, reason, the reason I do <clears throat> is, uh, you know, uh, so, so my father is still alive and... Uh, I don't think he's got a will, but let's just say he did. You know, uh, my dad's will is not enforced because he's still alive, right? And so however he wants to divvy up his possessions uh, to us three boys, uh, you know, that would be something he would have in his will. But he wouldn't divvy them up uh, typically, you know, before he dies. The will's not enforced. So, uh so, so what I want to say about that is a lot of places that uh, people want to go, and, and, and let's, let's look at one. Let's look at Matthew 24, <clears throat> and, and let me ask you this. Uh, has Jesus died in Matthew 24 yet? Mark says no. Nope. Uh, and Mark's right. Uh, Matt, uh, Jesus didn't die till Matthew 27. So Jesus is teaching in Matthew 24. And uh, who wants to read verse 13 for us? Uh, 
He that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Yeah, so now th this was a verse that was kind of drilled into my head, uh, what Candace read there. He that it shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And uh, look back at Matthew 10. I think Matthew 10, then Matthew 10, say uh, 10.22. It says almost the exact same thing. So people will show you verses like this that say, See, Steve, you got to endure unto the end if you're going to be saved. And so 1022, uh, Brian. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endure till the end shall be saved. And um, you, you know, that, that's absolutely true uh, in the tribulation period that the Jews are going to have to endure to the end. They're going to, uh, <clears throat> but so the New Testament wasn't started yet then, was it? That, that's what I... So this is the part where I think a lot of people don't rightly divide the word of truth. And so they'll pull verses like those two from Matthew and say, see, you know, if you're not enduring to the end, you know, you could be lost. And, and uh, you know, that's a pretty, I, I lived on that. That's what, that put fear in me, you know, before I was even saved, it put like oh man i can't watch that r-rated movie right i can't man i can't smoke or drink with the guy you know so i didn't i didn't enjoy sin because i knew that was wrong but you know i didn't have the peace either that passes understanding so you kind of walk in this fence and boy you know i hope my good works outweigh my bad and that type of thing and so until until you experience God's grace and you've tasted that he is good uh, and you believe and you, you know, you, you can't do good work. You can't do enough good works to be saved. And uh, you do have to humble yourself and ask the Lord into your life. <clears throat> and so, uh, anyway, does that all make sense? Any any other thoughts as we're talking? Uh because you can do that with places in Hebrews, and there's three or four places that almost makes it look like, gosh, I guess you could lose your salvation. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, we we may pick up on a, another topic. You wanna you wanna jump in, Shane? And if you go with the Calvinistic viewpoint, it throws more mud in the works, doesn't it? That by what? Huh? Say say what? By being Calvinistic, it throws more works in there. More more works and more questions about salvation, mm. because uh, <laughs> unless you're chosen, you're not saved. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, can we lose it if if we believe like the Calvinists do? Yeah. Uh, do we even have it? Yeah. If if uh, it takes the element of free will out, doesn't it? it? That takes that element of free will out. Yeah. And uh, there's so many scriptures that back up that we don't we don't we can't lose it. Mm. We have everyone has that free will. Mm -hmm. God has never taken away our free will mm. uh, down through the centuries. 
uh, everything from Adam and Eve on down. We've always had free will. So, um, and it really limits, um, how can I say this? It limits our relationship with God, uh, or, or the, from, from a, a man's viewpoint, it, it limits our, our ability or our thinking about how we can have a relationship with the Lord. Well, I hope this is, a little bit settling for folks. Um, uh, I know none of you probably uh, knew my my wife's grandma. She's passed on now, of course. But uh, when I was a new believer, uh, her name was Annie, and uh, she, she kind of taught me this as well because she had a, a granddaughter that was kind of wayward, and uh, you know, kind of was uh, into drugs and in the world and. And uh, Annie told her one day just that, you know, honey, uh, you know, God is, you know, just a prayer away and, you know, he's always there for you. And, and she said something like, well, I know, Grandma, uh, I know, you know, I have not been living right and I know God has been with me uh, all this whole time because she had been saved as a girl, you know, in uh, vacation Bible school or as a young child. And, uh, you know, her high school years, she went uh, the way of the world. And uh, yet, uh, even in her sin, she knew that the Lord was there and she was convicted of that. And and so Annie was able to kind of communicate to us that, that she believes in eternal security uh, because of even things, practical things like that. And so I, I don't know if anybody else has any other stories or examples like that, but I kind of told you. Uh, my wife's experience of her heart kind of condemning her at time, but God's greater than her heart, and she and, and God knows all things. And with me, is just like God give me this gift, and He's not going to repent of giving me that gift. And so, hopefully, you have a verse. And and uh, I know uh, <clears throat> the the man that led me to Christ even said, you know, when because um, I know people wrestle with this, and I hope that you do settle this. Because it is a little bit uh, miserable uh, and it affects your relationship. Like Shane was saying, if if you're unsettled in your salvation or, you know, afraid uh, you can lose it. And I, I did a Bible study with uh, at a uh, a men's halfway house a month ago. And, and one of the guys there just had really a lot of trouble forgiving himself for something he had done. So maybe there's just even a self-condemnation and. Um, but it, you know, if you're afraid, and, and honestly, this is—I'll just tell you, this will give you a snapshot of my life before Christ. Uh, um, my Sunday school teacher told me that he gave us like a wartime example. Is like if you get shot and you cuss as you're dying, you're going to hell. That—that's what my Sunday school teacher taught me. And uh, my wife's brother, his, his Sunday school teacher said, you know, if you go to that school dance, you're going to hell. And so those are the things that we hear growing up. And that's not liberating. That doesn't make you, uh, I mean, you just kind of grow up not knowing. And anyway, uh, anyway, so it is liberating, though, once you like, 
you know, God loves me. And, and the thing I think I was going to say is the man that led me to Christ said, you know, when you hear a new doctrine or a truth that maybe you're not sure of, uh, he said, he said, pretend like you put uh, a piece of meat on a meat hook in your brain. And uh, if it's truth, you know, as you walk with the Lord, you'll feed on that and it'll it'll, uh, you know, nourish you. But if it is a falsehood, uh, it'll it'll decay and it'll it'll uh, diminish. Right. And so I just thought that was a good illustration. And uh, so some of these things, if if you're struggling with, you know, pray about it. Uh, and uh, I won't embarrass Lisa too much, but I think Lisa, you know, you you even struggled about this thing about tongues, and and you you prayed about it. You know, God is is this true? Is this something I need to be doing? And uh, so you know, we can read and point out all these verses and like, okay, yeah, I believe that, but you know, when it comes to you and uh, in your quiet time and your personal life, you, you need to make it your own, right? And so uh, I've tried to do that with with this, and and uh, I've been uh, challenged uh, through the years, even with uh, these things too. And so uh, don't don't be afraid to ask your pastor uh, if you, if you do have questions. Yeah, Pam. Mm-hmm. So there's been times in my life where I've had dear ones fall away from the Lord, and I knew they were saved. And I, because I was grounded, or because I was settled in my eternal security through discipleship, I never questioned whether they were going to lose their salvation because of what they were doing. And I would tell people, you know, the thing that keeps me from, uh, that lets me sleep at night and have peace with God is the fact that he's a saved man. Yeah. I don't remember ever questioning. Yeah whether um, he would lose his, their eternal security. Mm-hmm. That's good. Larry, did you have a comment? Uh, actually, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a lot of you don't know, I lost my dad 14 years ago to cancer. And he, uh, right before he died, he actually made peace with God. Hmm. And the question I have is, is it common to, because I struggled with this for, I don't know, year and a half. Is it common to, uh, Or is it hard to accept the fact that they're actually gone and gone on to be with the Lord? Because I struggled, because I struggled with that for the first year he was gone. Mm 
Yeah. And I. And. Well, uh, so. You know, Paul does say that to be absent from the body for Christians, if, if they're absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. And so uh, we should be comforted by that, Larry. Now, uh, your own testimony, you weren't saved at the time either, probably. So that may have been part of your struggle. And uh, so, Larry, you just recently trusted Christ. So hopefully this is even, uh, you know, edifying to you. Um, <clears throat> you know, so, so some of the questions I have, because uh, my own dad accepted the Lord just, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, in his 80s. And, uh, you know, he just regrets not serving the Lord all those years, right? And so uh, so he has some regrets, and maybe your dad does too. And But, yeah, I mean, we fully believe that, you know, a deathbed confession or people, uh, you know, um, you know, We've seen people saved in jails, and you know they uh, they may never have the opportunity to even get baptized. You know, not all jails and prisons have baptismals. Uh, you know, soldiers on the front lines. You know, you don't know how many professions of faith there may be when you know people are encountering death, life and death situations. And it, I, I would imagine it's very common to you know seek the Lord in the, in those times and. And uh, so we, we believe those are, are very real. Uh, I know Angie used to read some books by a lady named Jeanette Oak. And, you know, there's places in Canada where, uh, you know, it's the lakes and ponds are froze over. They, they like go to the ocean, you know, in the summertime and they baptize once a year. And so, you know, maybe people die before they get. So we don't believe that uh, baptism is essential for salvation, but. We do believe it's essential for service, and uh, so it's an act of obedience that uh, you should be. But uh, sound like maybe your dad was not, and uh, but he is definitely with the Lord, and he uh, believed if if he trusted the Lord in his heart, he is. So you should be comforted by that. And um, yeah, uh, Roger, you were going to say something. Yeah, let's all look there. That that'd be good. That's John twenty one uh, uh, nineteen twenty. Yeah, John twenty. Uh, no, that that's uh, Thomas is what I'm thinking of. I think I am thinking of Luke. Let me let me cheat. I'm gonna cheat here. It's uh Luke twenty three. Thank you, Ron. <clears throat> so yeah, this might be a good example. Of your dad, Larry. So Luke 23 and verse uh, 
Let's start in uh, verse 39. <clears throat> and so this is when Christ was, uh, he was on the cross. He was being crucified between two thieves. And here in verse 39 of Luke 23, it says, And one of the male factors which were hanged, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Verse 41, And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And verse 42 is a key verse here. So this this one thief who didn't want to condemn Jesus, he says this in verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord. And uh, I just think that that's very instructive. He calls him Lord because, you know, Romans ten thirteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And uh, so this thief on the cross, Larry, uh, um, he actually uh, died after Jesus. So Jesus uh, died first. Because uh, they came out and broke the legs of the thieves uh, after Christ was already dead. And so uh, he called him Lord and, and Jesus gave him the promise at the end of verse 43 that today, that very day, he was going to be with him in paradise. You know, a place of rest and a place of comfort. And so uh, that thief essentially got saved there on the cross. He wasn't baptized, as Roger's pointing out, and that Christ uh, died first, so it was the New Testament was in force because without the death of the testator, a testament is not in force. So the New Testament officially started when Christ died. Uh, you might even say uh, rose again, maybe. <clears throat> and of course, uh, 50 days later at uh, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and uh, 3,000 were saved, but uh, in a very technical way, this thief died after Christ, uh, and um, and he was with him that day. So he he didn't he died physically, but he was alive spiritually, wasn't he? So good good comment, Roger. Yeah, yeah, Bob. Now one of the main fallacies that I hear preached in a number of churches it comes out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Okay. Verses, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. And someone that's not knowledgeable about mm -hmm. how salvation works and mm -hmm. confronted with that verse might think, well, maybe you can lose your salvation. 
But if you go up to verse 12, it settles that immediately. It says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, plural, forever sat down on the right hand of God. And so the first verse you read, verse thirty-six, or yeah, Hebrews ten twenty-six. Oh, twenty-six. Okay. Or if we sin willfully. Okay. And the way that's always presented is, well, there is no sin that is not willful. Right. Right. You, know, you, you had to have intended to. You had to mean to sin. Uh huh. And it talking talking about that there remaineth. No more sacrifice for sins. Well, there's already no more sacrifice for sins because in verse 12 it says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. That's good. Yeah, that helped me because I kind of have to ponder some of these too. That's good, Bob. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, I think the way I was going to start this off tonight, I didn't didn't really do it, but um, and I, I hope I'm not saying this wrong, but. I guess I look at this as kind of a secondary issue, this thing. Of, uh, I mean, somebody can be saved and believe they can lose it. And, I mean, that's they're still my brother or sister probably. Uh, but, you know, you know, Timothy says that uh, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. And so, uh, so I, I mean, I, I, I mean I'm, I'm, we're at this church uh because the Bible's taught here, not not because of it's a Baptist church on the name. Uh, we didn't grow up in a Baptist. I mean, I hear stories of Baptists, and there's missionary Baptists, and Second Baptists, and First Baptists, and um, you know, we're we're here because we teach the Bible here, and and that's that's what I need, and hopefully that's why you're here too, regardless of, of what the name is on the door. Uh, because I think. And I hope I think I'm saying this right. You know, around the turn of the 1900s, so a little over 100 years ago, uh, I think churches developed what they called the fundamentals of the faith. You probably heard that. Uh, and there, uh, and some churches, even you know, we're a fundamental, you know, independent Baptist church, or we say things like that. But what we mean by that, and 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 we don't. I mean, I think we're probably, we, this church probably is a fundamental Baptist church, but we don't really promote that. Just, you know, uh, you know, some, uh, Islam or, you know, fundamental, the word fundamental kind of has a bad connotation to it. Uh, but, uh, the, the reason they developed these fundamentals of the faith is, it says most churches would believe that, you know, Jesus is God in the flesh, right? And and we believe the Bible teaches that we we believe he was virgin born. That Mary was a virgin, and uh, God Himself conceived child, and Christ was born of a, of a literal virgin, 
And so those are fundamentals of the faith. We, We believe, you know, in a literal hell. We believe Christ is literally coming again. And those are things that we call fundamentals of the faith. <clears throat> and that's why I say I, I I feel like, you know, eternal security is a little bit of a secondary issue, just not on, on that level of, you know, of, of gravity, I guess. But it was, you know, super important for me to settle in my life. And hope, hopefully it's uh, super important for you and uh, maybe whoever listening uh, online but uh, the the thing that uh, I feel like the church I grew up in didn't rightly divide the word of truth. So so when I read when I had uh, Sharon read Hebrews nine sixteen that a testament is not in force until the death of a testator. When uh, I was taught, you know, we got to endure to the end to be saved. Uh, I didn't rightly divide. I think well well that that was you know Old Testament and. It's, you know, going to be again in the tribulation period. Uh, because th- think about the, the tribulation period. After, uh, you know, First Thessalonians 4, when uh, Christ uh, catches away his bride, we, we call that the rapture. And we are caught away to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, and there's a tribulation period coming. The people that are left, <clears throat> you know, uh, they, they c- uh, cannot take the mark of the beast. And in a way, they do have to endure to the end of the tribulation. They have to endure. They they can't take the mark of the beast. And uh, I'm trying to think maybe another thing or two there. But uh, literally, and then uh, when the Lord returns at Armageddon, if they endure either till their death or till Armageddon, then they will be saved. It's a little more. Uh, so it, it is. So those verses are true. They're just not for this dispensation. I think, I think that's what the church that I grew up in missed, and uh, and I tried to explain that to people sometimes, and uh, it's missed. And, and you you can do that even a little bit in Hebrews. So um, there, there's uh, you know the Hebrews is written to Hebrews, and it's a very Jewish flavor and. So any any other thoughts or questions about that? I know Shane had another question we didn't really get into. We got about 10 minutes. Pat, were you going to say something? Yeah. Yeah, Hebrews 6. Yeah, why don't you read uh, Hebrews six? And really, really one one through six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do, if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted of the good word and the powers of the world to come, if they should fall away 
to renew them again uh, unto repentance, seeing they crucify afresh and put him to an open shame. I was kind of hoping you wouldn't bring that one up. And it just goes back on everything. You laid the foundation for all that because you had to rightly divide the word of truth. This is written to the Hebrews. Yeah. Um, you know, all the Bible is for us, but it's not all written to us, and it's written to a dis- different dispensation, a different people group. And then it uses the hy- hypothetical in there also. you got to tie impossible. You know, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened to renew them again. So it'd be like being saved again. It says if, right? It's hypothetical. So therefore, it, it's impossible to be saved again. And, and it goes back to everything you just said. You know, f- for us, we are saved by grace through faith. You know, right. it's it's eternal. It's eternal life. You know, how, how long does that last? Yeah. So, so verse six is almost like if they could fall away, it would be impossible to renew them again. Really, you know, in a way, emphasizing that, you know, that, that you know, yeah, it would be impossible to be born again, again. Right, right, because Christ is not going to come and die again. Right, right. Right. Now, uh, I don't know if anybody's still a little bit confused on, on this one. And, uh, and I don't remember, something kind of clicked with me. The way I was taught, so so let's look at this again. It, um, so verse 1 that Pat read, you know, uh, leaving some of the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let's go on to perfection. We don't want to lay this foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God again. Uh, uh, so so it says in verse 4 is kind of the, the, the troubling Portion, it would be impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again. So so people who, I guess, do believe you could lose your salvation have a problem here because it does say that that they they couldn't be they couldn't get saved again. There's no other there's no other form of salvation other than Christ. So so there is that that problem. But the uh, and I don't know if remember if you were taught this way, but uh, it's pretty hard to read verse four and say that this person was never saved. Right? They they've tasted. They were enlightened. They've tasted the heavenly gift. They were partakers of the Holy Ghost. It's, it seemed like that person is saved, doesn't it? Um, so this will be a good good way to leave so I can just leave and not, people won't get too mad at me or whatever. So this is, this is what I was taught is, and, and, and I believe this, but... Uh, uh, Jesus Christ uh, died and was buried and he rose again the third day around the year 30 AD. And uh, 
we read in Matthew where the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, right? And and God made a way into the Holy of Holies. Uh, but uh, do you know that, that until 70 A.D., so for 40 years, for 40 years, uh, the temple was still there. And uh, they they kind of assumed that the Pharisees kind of sewed the veil back up and they went on with temple worship. And uh, so, so the man that uh, taught me, uh, Alan Shelby, he said this about this portion of Scripture. And, uh, and I believe, and you can take it for what it's worth, but he believes that those Jews during this 40 years, they accept Christ but they go back to temple worship and sacrifices. He believes that, that they did fall away and, and that they weren't redeemed again uh, because there was no other sacrifice than Christ. If, if, but after the temple was gone, now the, the, the New Testament is in full force, you know, sealed with the Holy Ghost. And, but, but he said for, for that time and for the tribulation period, that there is, there he can fall away. You know, if it gets tough during the tribulation and your your wife and family's starving, it's going to be pretty tempting to take that mark of the beast, isn't it? So you can buy and sell. And uh, anyway, I, I, hopefully that didn't confuse anybody because we're saying that we're eternally secure and now we're saying that people in this little time period could... Uh, written to them and so it would be in the context of either Mm -hmm. before 70 AD like you said or in the tribulation period right and I mean they're saved different than we are now they're preaching the gospel but aren't the only ones that are are sealed at that time are the 144,000 right yeah so they still have to endure to the end to be sealed and True. to be saved. True. Right? That's right. Just like so. these here. So that, that's that's a yeah. good point. Ron, Ron, you had something to finish us up with? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, um, I mean, this is all good conversation to have. I want to follow up this Hebrews chapter 6 with a something in and I think it's in Second Peter, and he and he says something to the effect of, in um, and also our beloved brother Paul, in all his epistles, are written things hard to be understood. Yeah. And then he talks about you know, which they are unlearned and unstable rest as do they also other the other scriptures. Yes. And they make merchandise of you, and 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 so I mean, there's. You know, there's just, I mean, this is, you know, I believe this is um, one of those deals where we just have to say the Holy Ghost can help us to understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, when you start trying to take, and I know that we don't do this here, but when you start trying to take eternal, eternal life, uh, teaching out of Hebrews, it it really, yeah. you know, it really confuses things. Right. We we say that's a transitional book, and uh, 
but yeah, our, our primary things even we got tonight was uh, from Ephesians and those books written to the church, so and, and Romans. So, yeah. Well, let's leave it there. And uh, Ron, you got the microphone. Why don't you pray us out of here tonight, brother? All right, we'll do it.